everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined again by Stu. Hello again. And no Tom again this week. Tom's a, a poorly boy, unfortunately, so hopefully he gets well in time for well, Monza. Get, get well soon, Tom. If you're uh, listening. I hope he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk the Dutch Grand Prix that finally happened. It feels like we've been talking about the Dutch Grand Prix for years now and the world said no for a while, but... Uh, <laughs> It's finally happened. Um, I mean, it was better than the last race in that it was a race. Well, yeah, in that it existed. Yeah. Um, I guess let's just kind of start how we tend to with races at new tracks and just kind of talk about as an event and as a circuit and as a sort of a new place for F1 to be, kind of how it went. Mm, That's a good idea. Um as an event, it looks banging. <laughs> like, it mm. looks so so fun. Like, it was the amazing. DJs, like the atmosphere looks hectic. The all the, I mean, the number of fans. I will say, like it looked like there weren't many actual. Ah, dare I say it? It looked like there were a lot more Verstappen fans there than there were Formula One fans. It seemed to me. Well, I don't know if that's going too far. Maybe it's it's a weird one because. Based on, and you know, absolutely no disrespect to Max Verstappen fans. I'm sure there's a lot listen to this. Mm. And like, not at all, not at all. I was braced for a hostile atmosphere at this race, shall we say, based on what we've seen at previous races this season, particularly from Verstappen fans. I was braced for quite a hostile atmosphere for anyone that wasn't Max Verstappen. But. Mm. I, I guess it's the difference between someone who'll go to a race that's an hour away from them and someone who'll go to a race in a different country. Like, I guess that's two kind of different ends of the spectrum of F1 fans, so maybe that's part of it. But um, I don't know. There, there was, like, maybe it would have been different if Verstappen hadn't won, but, like, mm. not a hint of any booing or any of that nonsense, which we've had a lot of this season. Um, it just generally seemed like everyone was just there having a really fun time, which is which is nice to see. Yeah, it, I mean, it just looked it looked like the, so when we used when we used to do ski trips, there used to be a week called Dutch Week, and you'd always get uh, like the reps would always get orange t shirts and stuff, and um, it'd all be very Dutch in inverted commas. And um, it was one of the best weeks you could go on because it was really really good fun, and all the people that went on it were just like absolute party animals and that's what this grand prix reminded me of it reminded me of just yeah. well, it looked like everyone who was there was there not only to watch a formula one race and and w series and formula three but also to just party like mm. it's 1999 like it was it yeah. looked amazing i wish i could have been there yeah it's definitely like i think it's immediately to the top of most people's or high on the list of people's races to go to i think yeah, I think mean, um, if you're if you're into partying, definitely. I think if you're into racing, then yeah. It, well, if you're into it, Formula One racing, the, the, like the the F three and the and the W series, great races. I thought I thought really really compelling, really exciting races. Helped by for safety most cars. Part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I can. Yeah, I'll allow it. I'll allow that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Formula One race because they've got so much downforce obviously led to 
Well, they're much more downforce. Well, obviously, they have more downforce, and they're much more downforce dependent than the lower tiers. Yeah. And as a result of that, they couldn't really follow each other closely enough through that final corner to to make any inroads and do any proper racing, proper overtaking, which is obviously why we saw, you know, Hamilton unable to challenge Verstappen in what was a Hamilton had a quicker car for periods of time. At points, yeah. And um, you know, reeled him in, got to within eight tenths, seven tenths, and just couldn't make a dent. Whereas I think at other tracks, if you were that close to the car at particular points on the track, then you would be with a shoe in to make a move, to at least try mm-hmm. a move. And I think as a rule, you should, if you can get within a second of a car, it should at least be feasible that you could try a move on them. Yeah, but, but he never even looked Hamilton close never most looked like trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean that's the race at the front, and then, then further down the grid as well. It looked, it did look like. I mean, you, you had um, Perez stuck behind Mazapan for yeah. a chunk of the race at the start. Well, like um, in, and in... when, and, and when the when the arguably the fastest car, well, the fact the not arguably because it was the fastest car this weekend. When you've got the fastest car chasing the slowest car with who I think the consensus is probably that Mazapan is the slowest driver mm-hmm. and they can't get by. Took him that either, to get past. Yeah, either Mazapan's having the race of his life or we've, there's a problem, isn't there, somewhere? So, mm. Like I saw um, Norris interviewed after the race and he said basically the first stint was just sit in the train, keep the tyres happy, you know, look after your fuel level and stuff and wait for the pit stops and then try and do something. But like literally the first in, there wasn't even a hint of like try to catch and pass anyone. And it's a shame, like the the organisers put on an amazing event and the changes they made to the track are really, really cool. Like as a circuit, like qualifying was so much fun to watch. Like watching cars go around that track full pelt was phenomenal, but... As we've as we feared from the moment they said they were going to this track, it just isn't F one cars can't race there. You know, whether that's the fault no. of the track or the cars or a combination of the two, I guess yeah. next year will tell, won't it? Well, I, I think I do I think already I think combination of the two. I think they, they shot themselves in the foot by not allowing the DRS zone to be open around the big banked bend. Yeah. Dis- it's literally designed it was the blueprint for it. Everything about it is designed so that cars can run around there with DRS open. And the whole point of that was to try and solve the overtaking problem. But they went and moved the DRS zone further around the corner. Yeah, so where, there, where, there was where, talk basically of... to the exit of the to the exit of the corner where you couldn't so you couldn't activate it until after you'd gone round the bank. Yeah. Corner. And it just negated the whole. Like, why? Why invest? If, you, if you're the track designer, you're fuming. Like you, you've invested all that money in making this insane banked corner, cost them millions to build that, and then they move the DRS zone. Like they just put some legislation. They just literally like the pen pushers make it so yeah. you can't put your. You can't use it the way it was designed to be built. That's and, infuriating. And the FYA was saying like, oh, we're going to like assess it over the weekend, and then just. Never said anything about Went it away, again. Yeah, and now they've said, oh, we'll look at it for next year. But yeah, yeah, weird one. Brushed um, under the carpet. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, it was it was kind of written in the stars that Verstappen was going to win that race. He sort of yeah. always was. There was just never any doubt, was there? Like, no, no. Um, Quali like was close. 
And uh, even, was even having come in pole, like he, he was still making excuses, like oh, I, I, I double shifted, and oh, uh, my DRS, His DRS failed as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know. I don't know if I buy. It. I, I, I believe the DRS failure thing. I've, I've haven't seen the onboard, so I don't know about the pole lap whether he did double shift a gear. But um, even then, it, it's probably. Is probably maybe two tenths slower with those two mistakes than because it was been. much closer than we expected, wasn't it? So yeah, I guess really those close. couple of things probably explain why it was closer than we expected. Maybe, um, but um, I still think well, well, Mercedes on paper did have a better on the race runs in practice. They what what little practice they ended up having in the, <laughs> um, they did look the faster car than Mercedes on race pace, but. When you, you need to be a lot faster to be able to get by to take advantage of that race pace, and unfortunately, mm. they just didn't have that much enough of an advantage to to make use of that. And ultimately, the race was kind of decided lap one, wasn't it? Really, um, once Verstappen was ahead through turn one. I mean, to be fair, what an opening lap he put in! It was like one point yeah. seven, one point eight, the gap at the end of the first lap. Like, yeah, that amazing was amazing lap. Unbelievable. That was, I mean, hats off to the guy. That was yeah. insane lap. Like the, you could you could visibly see the gap just just getting like it, bigger. It was and a second within about four corners. It was ridiculous. Yeah. He killed um, it. He he really did kill it. That that opening lap. I mean, Mercedes kind of threw everything that could come up with at the situation. They split the strategies between the cars. They switched to a three uh, two stopper pretty early on. It did become a three stopper, but. Um, it was a, a two-stopper uh, early doors. They sort of had saved an extra set of fresh mediums that they used, but ultimately Verstappen just shadowed every pit stop Hamilton made and came out in front, um, yeah. or stayed textbook. in front, I should say. Yeah, Bottas, Absolutely textbook. Bottas kind of played the team game to try and hold him up, but he was kind of futile, wasn't it, given how long Bottas had been on those tyres at that point? Yeah, um, um... There was nothing Bottas could do. He'd in, done in 31 laps on the tyres at that point, whereas pretty much everyone else had done like 20, 24 max. So he was kind of a sitting duck. Um, not to take anything away from Verstappen, though. He was like... I, I did wonder if sort of the event kind of thing would get to him a bit. Like there's been so much build-up to this race. Like the crowd there were just like full beans all weekend like i did wonder yeah. if he might you know the pressure might get to him a bit but just didn't put yeah, a foot man, wrong did he they were literally playing supermax yeah. on the tan over the pa on the grid as everyone was like <laughs> setting up on the grid like a how much pressure does that put on max verstappen and b how much does that get in everyone else's head as well when you yeah. know that when that song's playing everyone there literally everyone there is there to watch Max Verstappen win a race. The race literally is only happening because of Max Verstappen. Yeah. Like, if he wasn't on the grid, there would not be a Dutch Grand Prix. There's no debate about it. So That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. I've never seen a race so built around a single driver before. No. I I, I guess you could argue, like, when we had a second race in Valencia, that was a very Alonso race, I suppose. But... Even then, that didn't not feel to this as... level, not to this level. No, never this, seen so many I mean, people this, dressed like, in the same color at one race. I, I've I've never seen someone actually sing the national anthem for the podium celebration. Yeah, do you reckon she learned all of them? 
Yeah. Of course, obviously, Chris. Of course, she learned all of them. I would have like, loved to have seen her singing "God Save the Queen" on uh, if Hamilton had won it on uh, on Friday afternoon when they found out Kubica was going to be in the car. She was like, "Damn, God, learn the Polish anthem now." Just in Polish, case. I don't know the words. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, something um, tells me <clears throat> that she didn't know all the national anthems. <laughs> to me, it, honestly, like actually, on like a kind of like people are going to hate me for this, but. I, I do think that was a little bit too far, special treatment-wise. I think, like, <laughs> yeah, it's exciting that, you know, someone won their home Grand Prix and they've they've not had a home Grand Prix winner. I think, well, I don't know. Do you have any stats on that, Chris? Do you have a stat for me for the home Grand Prix winner in <clears throat> Zandvoort? Uh, zero times before, I believe. I think it's the first oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah, first time ever. Mm. So I guess it is, like, a big, like, crescendo moment for them and like it's not it is nice that they had someone sing it live but i just think in the interest of balance like i think it maybe might have been a little bit too far that 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 thing yeah i mean i don't think we'll get that every year and i would well i do wonder now if other countries are now thinking about doing well, the same the prob- thing yeah if, yeah and I just you know maybe monza will get and it's the italian anthem live if ferrari win but yeah it just seems a bit far to I me. Don't, it just seems yeah a- I don't I know. Don't, maybe not. Maybe not. I think because it's unprecedented, and because because it's this whole thing is that it was it was literally the Max Verstappen show all weekend. Oh yeah, that's what that was like. Kind of like icing on the cake. It was obviously the cherry on the top for mm. everyone who was involved in the race. Everyone who was a Max Verstappen fan, and to me that was too far. To me, that's kind of a when it because it's not happened before because of the the tension at the moment in this title rivalry and everything going on out off the track, then it kind of feels like a bit of a slap in the face for everyone else. Who's not Max Verstappen, literally everyone else who's not Max Verstappen. Yeah. But I guess to play devil's advocate, every time you go to Silverstone, the entire thing is like Biltra and Lewis, like 90% of the talk is Lewis Hamilton and most of the remaining 10% is Lando Norris, George Russell. Like. I guess so. The The interesting thing is going to be next season when they do go to Silverstone, is it, you know, are they going to do the same thing? That'd be interesting to see. I think they yeah, will. I, th- I, I think, think Silverstone are going to see this event this weekend. I think a lot of track organizers. Are. Yeah, and going to be like, oh, wow, we need to step up our game. Yeah, because they did put on, like, an amazing show. Like, it was really impressive. Like, hat, completely hats off the organisers. Like, the race and the circuit aside, like, from an organisational point of view, it was really... And, like, I really enjoyed as well. Like, I don't know if you saw much of the F3 and the W Series races, but the stands were pretty packed for all of those races like it wasn't just like people turned up to see max and then left like there were there were a lot of people i don't know around. man like there were there were a lot of people there but like they did they they went from being like elbow to elbow jam-packed to being half full i would say yeah but it, it still felt like more than you see at a lot of circuits i guess but then that that, that said through the through the lens of having not really seen that many people at Grand Prix circuit. This is true. Sort of eighteen months. Isn't <laughs> We're it? used so, to zero people in the grandstands. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it, it was nice to see a good crowd there. There's no doubt about that. Like, and it, 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 I will be honest. I did comment actually on the on the size of the crowd for the feeder series races because it was a big one. There's no doubt about that. But it, it definitely wasn't. 
the you know it wasn't anything like the size of the Formula One crowd. Like once the Formula One stuff had finished, then it definitely it thin. I would say it thinned out by about half, which is still good going. Oh yeah, because definitely. a lot of the time when you go to a Grand Prix and the Formula One stuff happens, and then you see a lot more than I think I find you see a lot more than half the people disappear. Yeah, totally. So they still did a really good job. I'm not taking away from you know from, yeah. from what you're saying there. Um, um what's next? I mean, there's not a lot really else to talk about in terms of the race at the front. Um, so Max now retakes the lead of the championship by uh, three points. Um, we're about to go into the next two races on paper should favour Mercedes. So that's probably going to swing backs and forwards. But then again, how many times have we said that this season? It's been the opposite of what we expected. So Yeah, I don't know. I think given that, um, I, I hate to disagree with you again, Chris, but I, <laughs> I, I, I feel like given the... Belgium's a tough one because Belgium was... Didn't happen. Kind of its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thinking of qualifying for Belgium. And it was Verstappen on pole, wasn't it? Hence Verstappen winning the Belgian Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, or what... What? I, I, you know what? I, it feels wrong saying that. Even now, it still feels wrong saying winning <laughs> the Belgian Grand Prix. Winning the Belgian thing that happened. <laughs> can't call it a race. Can't call it a Grand Prix. Bringing the, bringing the fall, winning the four laps around the safety car, behind the safety car in Belgium. That's what he won. Um, I think the Red Bull is the faster car. I, I've come over to that side now. And I, I'm, I think... At the moment, I think so as well. Yeah, given where we're at right now and from what we've seen in recent races, the Red Bull has regained the edge. I would say, but I'm probably going to be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so don't listen too closely. To I, I just dare make predictions at this point after the season we've had. Mm. Um, Verstappen also becomes the driver with the most wins in F1 history without being a world champion. He takes I saw that, that takes that dubious honor from uh, Sterling Moss. Yeah, um, might not have it for long though. It's not looking that way, is it? Um, who else? Bottas had a pretty tough race uh, all around. He was put on the less favorable strategy to try and help Lewis. I mean, he played the team game well up to a point. Yeah. And then we had the um, the stop at the end where they stuck him on fresh softs and then told him not to go for the fastest lap. Um, and he promptly did two purple sectors and James Fowles had to say, could, could, could you not, Valtteri? Yeah. <clears throat> and he, he did... Mean- he did back off in the final sector, but still set the fastest lap. Like, yeah, accidentally. But it was like it was. A, to be fair, he backed off a lot because he was on for a mighty fastest lap, and yeah. in the end, Hamilton's Hamilton's fastest lap was a second and a half quicker. Was it that so, much? I didn't actually see yeah. that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It was a chunk, chunk bigger. So, um, bigger, faster. Sorry. So, um, yeah, he's he's he has he really really did take his foot out of it. And, yeah, you know, I mean, he said he was just having a bit of fun, which is fair. To be fair, after after the amount of time he spent on trash tires in that race, you can't yeah. blame him for the second he gets on some new softs and the car actually feels like it's supposed to going fast because he can. But yeah, big time. Like if that had been anyone, anyone, anywhere. You yeah. put a fresh set of soft, so the softest compound tire 
on anyone's car, of course they're going to go for fastest lap. Like, why else would you put them on with two laps to go, three laps to go, whatever it was, not many laps to go? Why would you do that if you didn't want them to set fastest lap? It seems yeah, I mean, they, they, they it said place. it's precautionary for tire vibrations. Oh, I'm not rubbish. sure I buy that. It, it yeah, was to get true. you out of the way so Lewis can pit and set a fastest lap, is what that yeah. was. Yeah, um, exactly that. I, I, I mean, people have tried to make it into a way bigger thing than it was, like, ultimately. Oh, no, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal at all. It's, deal. Um, it's just, it's, it's one of those, he, you know, he knows, Bottas know, knew what was coming. He knew everything that had been arranged. Exactly, yeah. He's kind of, I think it's a really clever thing, actually, because I think it shows that he does have speed. It shows the world that he's got mm. speed. And it also shows that he's the ultimate team player. Yeah, which is actually which, there is two biggest credentials. Absolutely, it, it, so, yeah, it definitely felt to me a little bit of like I've still got the speed, like the speed's still there, kind of thing. Even though I'm a distant third. Um, yeah, I think Bottas. You know, Bottas. I, I give you a lot of grief for being a Bottas fan, but actually, <laughs> like he's he's often so close to Hamilton that. He's just, the problem he's got is he's not close enough to Hamilton often enough. Should we, should but, we do the Bottas chat now? Like, there's only yeah. one piece of news this week, which is that, as we know, Bottas has now been confirmed at Alfa Romeo um, for next year. Multi-year deal. Don't know how many years, but they always say multi-year, which basically means more than one. But there we go. Yeah. Um, obviously, that opens the door for Mercedes to announce Russell, which by the time you listen to this, we're going to assume will have happened. Um, yeah, it, I, I they, they've basically done the I thing st- where they that they're essentially letting Bottas and Alfa Romeo have their day in the headlines out of respect. Essentially, aren't they? This tends yeah. to be how these things work. It's like this well, is your day, we'll have the next day, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, it makes sense. A few people have asked me like why they're doing it like this, and the reason is is because you've got sort of all this all this media. Everyone makes content around it. And it kind of gives everyone who makes content and it gives everyone who is directly involved in in the transaction, I suppose, um, a chance to get all their clicks and all their stats for exactly, yeah. their various interests of why they need their clicks and their stats. So, you know, you get if, if they announce both at the same time, you, you would literally get half the numbers. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to announce Bottas today, and they, I strongly expect <laughs> that they will announce. Well, um, the um, French channel, uh, Canal Plus, who are renowned for just saying things before they're supposed to, have literally already said, "Yeah, that announcement's coming tomorrow." So <laughs> it's, there's just like well, that, there's well, no doubt whatsoever. Yeah, that's where I got that information. I believe Canal Canal Plus. So I'm going to. They go are they are the go to. The go-to Twitter yeah. account for announcing they're... things slightly earlier than they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but the but the Bottas thing, you know, I think he's going to do. I think it, it's a good place for him. I think Alfa Romeo. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they Alfa Romeo have got a lot to learn from mm-hmm. Bottas and his experience at Mercedes. I think the big winners in this are Alfa Romeo by a long yeah. way, because it's a weird one, like. As much as Bottas's focus over the last few years has, you know, because he's only ever been on a one-year deal, which has got to be a rough place to be. And it's always mm. been like 
try and secure my Mercedes seat first. If that doesn't work, then I'll look elsewhere. Actually, if he had lost his seat last year or the year before, there'd probably have been way more options on the table for him. But this year, just the way the grid is, like he only really had a choice of Williams and Alfa Romeo by the looks of things. And yeah, it sounds like he but- had conversations with both of them. Um, and yeah. also, he he would, if, he, if he'd done another reason why it would have been better if he'd done it last year, if he'd joined the team last year, he'd had much, he would have had much more input over the car for mm-hmm. next season. Yeah, the new rules, which is the car. You know, that's that's the big, that's the really big change. So, yeah, maybe he would have had a few more options last season, but when Mercedes is an option for you to drive exactly, Mercedes, yeah. You're always you drive the Mercedes. It. So he, yeah. he, he, he got the best deal last year. You know, I, I don't believe this kind of like time your time your move. Like at the end of the day, if you're in, if you know that you've got an option of a championship winning car for next season, why the hell would you leave it? You'd be bonkers to leave it if you yeah, could mad. if you could keep it. So no, nah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that <laughs> he's got other um he had better options last year. Yeah, he, he took the best option. This year, these are his options, and he's going to take what he feels like is the best option for him this year. Yeah, um, and I mean, obviously, he's like had a relationship in the past with um, Frederick Vasseur. He won his GP3 title at his team. Like He's always apparently been pretty close and good friends with him, so you can see why he's gone for... He'd, like Weirdly, both of the options on the table for him were quite like romantic homecoming. It was like yeah. the team that he won his GP3 title with or the team that he got his F1 debut with. So it's not not a bad choice for him to have, I guess. Um yeah. It's going to it's it's nice to get to know that he's going somewhere where he'll be really welcomed. It's not a last resort like there was yeah. a fight for him. Like both of them really really mm. wanted him. Both of them offered him multi-year contracts. And, and I think he deserves that like as much as like Definitely. the in vogue thing on the internet to say that Bottas needs to get out of the way for Russell and whatever, like I, I hope history remembers Bottas better than like the last year or two seems to um, categorize him. Like, yeah, but yeah, but Chris, you would say that though, wouldn't you? Well, I like, <laughs> I, yes, but like he he's been in. <laughs> Either the hardest or the second hardest seat to be in F one. Yeah. Like either being Hamilton's team or Thomas Stappen's teammate is the hardest place to be. And yeah. He's managed to out qualify Hamilton like twenty, twenty-five percent of the time. Like that is no mean thing. Against yeah, the decent. driver with the most pole positions in F one history. Like Yeah. It's and still pretty most, decent. I think most wins as well. Yeah, most wins. Uh Hamilton's got the most wins in Formula One. Yeah, easy as has he, has he? Yeah, he hit that. Yeah, he has. He has. Yeah, he has hit that. I think he's, Schumacher was the most at night. He's taken so many records in the last couple of years. Like you almost lose track. Honestly, there was a period of time at work where literally every other week was we were making a thing about Hamilton breaking a record, like a mm. hype thing about him. It was hectic, and it was like it was like, dude, slow down. Like we <laughs> we can't keep up making this kind of content <laughs> with you. You're smashing all the records so quickly. But then didn't he get to 96 wins and everyone was ready with the Ezekiel Schumacher's record and it didn't happen for like weeks and weeks. Yeah. The same's happening now. He's on 99 wins. and Oh yeah, everyone's got, got their 100 wins content. Yeah, we've got we've literally got like this 100 win um, piece <laughs> that's been queued up for months and months. And, Collecting well, not months, dust. But like, yeah, it's for like weeks and weeks now. Well, it probably is months now. And yeah, we just every week we have to make, every race we have to make a different end slate for it because it's a different you know that's yeah. gonna be the one he does it <laughs> so yeah hopefully he does it next week and it can 
disappear out of my life forever. Finally go away. We'll um, I think it's good the bosses stay on the grid, though. Like there was a possibility you'd go away and do rallying or something, but I think it's 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 a good thing that the guy's staying on the grid. I think he's still got a lot to give F one. Um, yeah, I think I mean, he'll be, be good for a project as well. He's good for a, pro- a big project. Yeah, like what he's gonna get at Alpha Romeo. I think it's that's that's the right kind of space for him. I think Alpha Romeo are gonna benefit a lot more from him than what Williams will. I think Williams. A kind of seem to be on the right trajectory. We said this the other week, didn't we? Yeah, I think Alpha definitely needs like a, a proper team leader driver to kind of galvanize yeah. around and so as much as shake it up. As much as Kimmy was like supposed to be in that role and like in the teaching the younger drivers role, like I question how much Kimmy was actually doing that. Um, I think Bottas is going to do a much better job of that. Um, it's still unclear who his teammate's going to be next season. Um, obviously, Giovinazzi is still there. He's still in with a shout. De Vries, Albon, a kind of those names are moving around. Um, but I've, I've seen an interesting thing brought up with that. Like, it, it sounds like De Vries and Albon are both pushing for the Williams seat first. Um, and we'll, there's, there's some stuff in the inbox we'll talk in a bit more detail about that. But... I think the Williams seat as a new driver going into a team is probably more desirable now because everyone knows that Sauber have got a... Yeah, it's a Sauber young driver because Alfa Romeo is essentially a rebadged Sauber team and they've got Theo Porcher waiting in the wings and he's been a Sauber young driver for a few years now. He looks like the real deal and as soon as they can get him in F1, they're going to. So if you take this uh, alpha seat next year, are you just keeping a seat warm until he's ready? Yeah. So probably. Yeah. It's an, it's a, it's a weird one. That second seat, which almost makes me feel like they're going to stick with Giovinazzi for another year or two, rather than get someone in, then kick them out again in like two years time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're definitely, if you're Nick DeVries, you don't want to be in the, um, you don't want to be in the alpha. I think that I, the Williams is definitely the way to go. Mm. We'll see, maybe we'll see within the next week. I mean, I, I guess it's as I said last week. It's Alpha's home. It's Alpha's home race coming up next weekend, so maybe they'll announce their second driver there. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take long. I think after tomorrow, when um, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Russell when will be announced? <laughs> no, Chris. I don't know. I don't have this information. I don't know that he's going to. But when people are listening to this, tomorrow. it's already happened. So, <laughs> yeah. But I. But then, if if anyone important's listening to it, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Definitely don't know. I definitely um, don't know. That being said, about Monza, would they really announce that Giovinazzi is losing his seat at his home race? <laughs> that might seem a little harsh. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It, w- it's, it would seem harsh, but business, isn't it? Yeah, business is business. I don't know. Like, I mean, I've, I've, worse things have happened. I've seen much far, worse far things have happened. More nasty, horrible things happen in Formula One than that. So, yeah. Um, um, shall we go back to the race? Yeah, let's go back to the race. Um, race. Gasly, like, really quietly had one of the races of his life, the weekends of his life, in fact. Yeah. qualified fourth, held on to fourth at the end of the race. Like we we didn't see much of him for the entire race, but man, that was impressive. Yeah, he he spent like nearly the whole race just in this kind of 
no man's land between mm. sort of between what third place and then back to back to fifth like there was just such yeah. a big gap between them he kind of filled up that space um yeah go boo boo like, made the one stop work very nicely um yeah pitted a few laps after the leaders but then just took a set of hards all the way to the end 47 laps he did on the second stint on the hards wow i did not realize that that is that's good going yeah sorry not the um hang on yeah yeah he was sorry oh. the hards uh yeah no one else came close i don't think um i know um norris did a one stop didn't he yeah he did oh but he he extended his first in much longer he started on the hards and did 42 laps on them oh right okay um but yeah just super Um, impressed with gasly really really impressive drive yeah and of Um, course next week we're going into the race that he won last year yeah so so he's he's gonna it's gonna be have his tail up for that we know he's not bad around there um Alonso as well had a really good race, qualified ninth, uh, gained three places on the opening lap, just elbowed his way through various people to make a f- yeah. how I mean, he think... even survived that opening lap, I don't know. Yeah, that was hairy, man. And Giovinazzi as well was involved in some of that. Like Giovinazzi, yeah. um, Ocon and Alonso, the three of them, they were almost like just all completely tangled up in. The yeah, and Russell nearly went into the back of Alonso as well at one point. Yeah. Yeah, and that was during that race. It could have been a yeah. four-car, like, just absolute racking of mess. Well, like, if but, they'd come together in turn three, that would have been an instant red flag because they'd probably just completely blocked the track, like, given yeah. how turn three is. So I don't know. I actually, given how small and thin that track is, I don't know how we got through the entire race without anything like that happening. Not even a safety car, let alone a red flag. No, exactly. Yeah. Like just, given how many red flags we had through all of practice and qualifying and yeah. I think one of the F3 races as well yeah well there were certainly Phase safety two, cars in the yeah. F3 and race safety cars as well. there were safety cars yeah loads <laughs> of safety cars um, yeah just wow how did they do it I guess like when they know like what's on the line when they know they have to be crossing the line on the last yeah, lap I guess they, so. they're a bit more careful <laughs> yeah um, Alonso also hunted down signs towards the end and passed him on the final lap. Um, to that was really good. S- split the Ferraris, yeah, really impressive drive from him. Um, yeah. It was good for my fantasy team as well. <laughs> about that when he did that, Alonso All really seems to have suffered bad this weekend. But anyway, we'll get to. Didn't that. you have Russell in your team? No, I didn't. I I had Vettel, mm. Alonso, and I'd rem- I'd taken Science out and put. Um, Someone else in, I can't remember who. Oh, I had Norris in there as well. Mm, and all, that's a shame. Just, yeah, I mean, Alonso not so much, but the rest of the others had yeah. shockers. But anyway. Um, um, it's impressive. Sorry. Like, Ferrari looked pretty quick all weekend. Um, they ended up fifth and seventh. But, like, Alonso's just been really on top of things. Like, it took him a little, it seemed to take him a while to get properly back into the swing and get his head around that car. But now he has, like, it just seems to be going from strength to strength, which is it's, it's good to see. It's nice to see him back and actually, you know, contributing to the show and not just kind of making up numbers. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it is really, really good to see. It's like you say, it's just taken him I guess it's taken him a little while to get up to speed. And also like that car, the it feels like the team are, are, are 
now building up to something and and they're they're getting better a better and better understanding of the car how to set it up how to how to get the most out of it on a race weekend and how to get the most out of their drivers as well yeah they're definitely going the right direction absolutely 100% going the right direction I think McLaren given their performance this weekend ought to be looking over their shoulder actually because yeah they had a really rough weekend yeah if it carries on this way like by the end of the season they could be staring down the barrel of fifth in the championship if they're not careful yeah um so McLaren ended up uh 10th and 11th um yeah which means Ferrari have now overtaken them for third in the constructors. They're ahead by eleven and a half points now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Alpine are still eighty points behind, so it'd be a big old gap for them to make up. But it would be, but stranger things have happened, man. And you know, Hamilton, McLaren are kind of saying it's it's just a blip this weekend that it wasn't like truly representative of what they were. I guess they just got a bit unlucky with the way the the race weekend panned out for them. So they'll be hoping to go to Italy next week with, um, and you know th- they really need both drivers to get the most out of the out of the car next weekend for the whole weekend and get them back on track, don't they? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, Ric- Ricardo was looking sort of fairly decent through the whole weekend. Um, he he made it into Q three, um, which Norris didn't manage. Um, but only ended up 10th on the grid. It's got to be one of the few times he's out-qualified Norris this season, hasn't it? I think it might be like the only one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they definitely need a, a, a comeback next other weekend. Than, other than obviously Belgium, where Norris went out. Yes. Uh, we sort of half-mentioned him already, but Giovinazzi was really on top of it in qualifying. Um, he equaled his career best of 7th place. Um, but Unfortunately for him, he lost three places on the opening lap, and then right after his pit stop, he got a punch, just had to pit again. Um, so that just wiped away any chance he had of scraping a point or two, which is a shame because he was very, very good on Saturday. But um, didn't happen for him in the race, unfortunately. For for a guy who really needs some big performances in the next few races, um, if that decision has not been made already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not much to say really about that one. It's kind of, it's not. Really, it's not. I think a lot of people. He's not really on the radar at the moment, Giovinazzi. Is he? He's kind of no. just. I think by by unfortunate circumstance of him being on that team, who are just who are completely stagnant at the moment. It's just. It's very difficult to really shine in that car. That qualifying, which which actually makes the qualifying performance all the more special because you know to get where he got it in qualifying mm. it, yeah it must have been a hell of a lot like I, I think he's been doing a decent job like probably the best job he's been doing in his whole career this season like he's yeah. been out qualifying and um, Kimi on most occasions out racing him pretty regularly as well which is no mean feat like Kimi's still a fast driver but, yeah, but I, I, say, I just say in wonder... the car he's in that's the only yardstick you've got it's like really hard to compare him to anyone else yeah, and I think when Kimmy's heart isn't fully in it as well, that's true. That's a, that's that's another factor. I think it make that takes some of uh, all credit to him for for beating his teammate and and to, for doing a really good job this season. But I think when your teammate is has one foot out the door, then you know it's kind of like it's a lot less of a challenge than what say yeah no, Russell's going to have next season 
beating Hamilton or Hamilton yeah. beating Russell. You know, it's a much more stiffer competition, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Uh, is there anyone else from the race you wanted to to highlight to mention? I did actually. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Mazapan. Mm-hmm. I know we don't particularly like talking about Mazapan, and we try to keep it as positive as we can. But I do think we need to talk about Mazapan because he's some of the manoeuvres he's been putting in on track recently, especially against his teammate, are just out of order. Primarily against his teammates, isn't it? Um, yeah. And so just... the, the start of the second lap, he sort of moves over of him, jinks to the right, and then tries to, effectively tries to force Schumacher down into the pit lane. <laughs> yeah. It's just completely absurd. Um, obviously, Schumacher quite upset about that. And yeah, I just don't think it's becoming of a uh, of a driver in the pinnacle of motorsport to be conducting themselves that way on track. It's it's happening more and more often, and it's just it's completely it's not what any young driver should be aspiring to. Yeah. Um, Wesley said in the chat that apparently Mick is now saying that the relationship is beyond repair with his teammate. <laughs> I've not seen that myself, but that's I mean, that's so, pretty damning. When, I mean, when someone's repeatedly tried to kill you, then it's well, it's, it's the sort surprising. of thing you saw him doing a lot in um, sort of F two and F three, and the start of this season you didn't really see much of that from him, but it sort of almost felt like once he kind of found his feet a little bit and like felt a bit more comfortable then he just like all, all of that kind of driving from him came back and yeah it's it's not good to see and sooner or later he's going to cause a, a a big old accident and i just the thing is he keeps doing these things and the FIA and the stewards are just not doing anything about it like when when you're making dangerous moves like that that's where the penalty points need to be coming in and they're not and until that happens yeah. he's just going to keep doing it Exactly. That I think that's my biggest problem with it is like th- those are the situations where it was the same in qualifying. Qualifying yeah. like Mazapan blocked the track, like, and then yeah. nothing came of it because I mean Vettel had his lap absolutely ruined by that, mm-hmm. and um, the Vettel made his own bed because he said there was just too many cars. It was a yeah, it's a hectic track, but on a short track, thin track, but. There was absolutely no need for that. And and the, why are the team not communicating with the drivers to say there's a driver coming up behind as well? Like, well it's just but the, the thing is with that, for all of the like, oh, it was a busy track, these things happen. In the interview immediately after it, he said, he basically said he was annoyed because he was supposed to be ahead of Schumacher, not the other way around. So the second yeah. you say that, you admitted that you're concentrating on getting ahead of your teammate for your qualifying lap and not looking yeah. Uh, you know anybody else on the track? Yeah, yeah. Completely it's not, it's just not good enough. out of order. He's put just so, he's put enough. multiple other drivers at risk this weekend by mm-hmm. his actions, and I just think it's completely and utterly absurd that he can like, get away with doing that without even getting a penalty point. It's ridiculous. Like at a minimum, he ruined Vettel's qualifying. Like yeah. as as an absolute minimum, uh... I suppose it's fitting that he got first DNF. Well, so, yeah, this this race, sorry, which yeah, I guess so. We will never recover from financially. <laughs> uh, should we pick a driver of the day? Official one yes, was it, as, Perez. Shouldn't um, be. Andrew Lock wrote in to say Max didn't get votes for driver of the day because seventy thousand people who normally vote for him were at the track drinking Honestly, beer and letting like, the flares instead. Literally, the exact same thought <laughs> occurred to me. 
when I saw the when I saw that, I thought, yeah, because they're all watching the race at the track. <laughs> um, I actually do think my driver of the day is Max Verstappen because he didn't put a foot wrong. If it's not Verstappen, it's Gasly. Even though we yeah. didn't see him for pretty much the entire race, mm. like. But I just think the way uh, Gasly, Gasly drove a great race, and he's a definitely an honourable mention in this one for me. But I just think this is one of those occasions where the driver was so dominant, and the, the winner was so dominant, and they matched their nearest rivals punch for punch, and the team, everything about that drive just was perfect. It was absolute one hundred percent perfection. I didn't see him lock a wheel the entire race. No, so. Yeah, I, I think that you know he was on rails and he killed it. And uh, I think no one deserves it more than Max Verstappen this weekend. I, I can go with that. With, with Gasly, a very close second. Cool. Uh, how about move of the day? <laughs> there weren't many. No, um, there weren't many. A few people in the Discord chat on the day said Alonso's just opening lap should be nominated for it, which I can see. Yeah, the entire lap, but that was yeah. That was really, really good lap. To be fair, um, yeah, we saw a, I, could, I could go for Alonso. We saw a few like round the outside of turn one moves. I think Latifi's on Mazepin was probably the pick of the bunch. Um, mm-hmm. That was a pretty tasty one early in the race. Can't yeah, think of anything else some, really though. There was Perez on Norris. <laughs> that got a probably, bit. That got a bit hairy, but it was a. It was a really good move. Like he, he, he stuck his neck out and he, he made it happen. Kept his foot in while bouncing off the car next to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I really do, I like. I kind of like those kinds of moves because I don't think it was necessarily Norris's fault that they did collide. I think he lost traction. Norris lost traction. Yeah, it was just racing and instant, that. left rear sort of swung out and just that they they bumped into one another. So it probably felt a lot worse for Perez. Because yeah. Perez couldn't really quite see exactly how it had shaken out. He probably thought, oh, he's, he's run me out of road when actually Norris had just just run out of traction. <laughs> yeah. So that move for me was definitely the more eye-catching of the two. But in terms of a clean move, then probably, yeah, probably the TV on Mazapan. I think and they're I'm gonna... like fairly similarly closely matched cars as well. Yeah. So. I think I'm going to nominate Latifi for partially just because Latifi never gets a sniff of any of these things. So yeah. on the on the few times we actually see Latifi on our TV screens, let's do it. Yeah, I'm, okay, I can go for that. I can totally Latifi is move the day Latifi, and then final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? What? <laughs> so the only thing that I think of for WTF this week is before the race. I, th- I don't know if it was. Because when mine's not there, they all like do a little bit of individual grid walk themselves. And Rosberg did a, a big old chunk of the grid walk this weekend. And just unprompted, he just brought up the fact that he used to pee himself on the grid before every race. What? What do you mean? <laughs> what, legit, like, like... Yeah, just like when, when he was like getting close to the start of the race, there's not enough time to get out of the car. He'd just do a little bit of pee in his seat before the race started. And then every like... Race? Not every race, but if he, he made it, to. he made it sound like 
a lot of races. And then about like five or ten minutes later, when like he was back with like the presenting team, um, Simon Lazerby, the main Sky presenter, was like, just before we go on, did I hear you correctly, Nico? Did you just say what I think you said? And he was like, yeah, that's what I used to do. But it was just like, it's not like there was a conversation going on about stuff and that naturally came up. He just like unprompted conversation. All all on his own. It was just him with the mic in front of the camera. No conversation. He just decided that's the thing he'd bring up. It was very strange. That's that's a well, a hashtag overshare, isn't it? Is what that is. It was it was very overshare, yeah. We don't um, need to know that, Nico. Can't, can't so unless you can think of anything else down. to beat that. I do I do have one. I do. I saw over the weekend, I think it was during qualifying, um, one of Ocon's engineers, you know, the bloke who, who walks backwards out of the garage and, and pulls mm-hmm. the car through with him. I saw him almost trip over a moving <laughs> Aston Martin, which was terrifying. <laughs> it's literally his job to make sure the pit lane's clear for the car to come out. Yeah. So How like he be he, tripping he, over the, the thing, what ha- I guess what happened was he was so he's like walking backwards and um, gesturing, um, gesturing makes it sound like he's effing and jeffing, but gesturing, <laughs> uh, doing the old hand sort of wave forward, f- pulling for to to what towards his body for um, Ocon to to come out, and uh, he goes out and he stands there for a while and he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. He turns to look at Ocon and say, "Come on, come on!" And as he's walking backwards, looking at Ocon, he looks back again. There's nothing there. Carries on walking backwards, still looking at Ocon, and then stops right on his mat where he needs to stop. And he sort of leans back a little bit too much, notices that there's the Aston there, and literally like bends his knees. And I swear his backside is over the wi- the rear wheel Ugh. of the um, of the. Uh, Aston Martin. And Jeez. yeah, that, that it made me wince when I saw. It. I was like. <gasps> The, everything it, it about that really pit lane good. was like it was so tight that pit lane so like, so tight y- you always see um teams like holding their wheel guns out their way as like a courtesy when other teams are pitting like yeah. in this pit lane like if they didn't do that you wouldn't get in your pit box like it was yeah. ridiculous on it that's a, that's they, they probably wouldn't get in their pit in well out of in, their pit boxes if they didn't do that like it's, it's really 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 tight in fact it's it's almost maybe a good job that, I mean, it would have been really interesting if we got a safety car because the FIA, well, Michael Massey, like, put out a thing to all the teams before the race basically saying, like, if you double stack your cars and in the process block other pit boxes, we will be handing out severe penalties. So, like, if there had been a safety car, like, most teams would have had to just, like, sacrifice one of their drivers because you just couldn't double stack in there. Just, I hate that. I really don't it's, like that. This sort of decree kind of ruling by decree thing that they've got going on at the moment. It reminds me of the 70s. It's one when, of these things. Go on, sorry. It was just, it, it seems so autocratic to just mm. to just announce that without actually offering a solution. Yeah. There's a few things happened recently that have been very, very, either brush under the carpet or autocratic and not really very diplomatic. Where not They don't seem to be allowing the teams to to really have much input at the moment no because like if if you went away and built a brand new circuit to host f1 and your plans had a pit lane like that they would say no 
we're not giving that grade one certification. You can't have an F1 race there. But because it's a place they want to have a race happen, they'll casually brush that rule under the, the carpet. And exactly. you, you see that. And and you see that standards. It's yeah, double really standards is. all over the place. It's really obnoxious. Um, I guess uh, if you've got a Max Verstappen in your, uh, you know, in your country. Yeah, it totally is. Then, then you can do what you want. Um so what WTF though? I think I think you beat me. I think Nico <laughs> It's hard to look past Rosberg's yeah. weird admission. Yeah, a man admitting to soiling his trousers. <laughs> man, Rosberg was at his pot stirring best slash worst this weekend as well. Like every interview he was just like he was poking a bear with a stick trying to like get something out of people. He, he thinks he, he's Eddie Jordan. He is the new Eddie Jordan, <laughs> for all the You're best and worst reasons. Eddie Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology. And it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like you can get 20 percent off the package by heading to manscape.com and using the code botg you will also get free shipping on the whole box it also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer known as the weed whacker as well as the crop reviver toner and their crop preserver deodorant manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide and that includes the three of us so remember if you want to get 20 percent off the brand new performance package 4.0 Head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. Let's talk predictions. Yeah. Um, it's you. You got five out of five. Nice work. I know I did. Yeah, I feel bad about it though. <laughs> um, I kind of wish I hadn't because look at how many people did get five out of five. Look at how many of us are smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so me and tom both got the the verstappen triple because he was the random driver um i also got 17 finishers uh tom did not um but including stew we have had a record 14 five out of fives this week um, we will never recover financially from this it <laughs> it is Almost certainly the highest scoring week across the board we've ever had. 109 people got at least three points and 253 people got at least two points, which is huge points on the board. That's insane. Um, that is the most ever. That's really crazy. I will tell you our lucky five out of five people this week. They are, buckle up, Brendan Harris, Will Thacker, Ethan Card, Gareth Rollins, Stefan Newman, David Gaskin, Craig Anderson, Jerry Demink, Lewis Stone, HM, Gabby L, Kirsty Bradshaw, and Matt Coughlin. So if you are one of those lucky people, uh, get in touch with us and we will um, ask you all the important questions we need to ask you in order to get your prize to you. Yeah. Um, Congratulations to to all of those people. Uh, In terms of the overall standings, it's still ridiculously close. Uh, Nate Everett is now on his own in first place on 27 points. Uh, Stu, you are equal second with uh, Alex Taskov on 26. Uh, then we've got, like, all the way down, like, the top 30 people are all within, like, five points of the lead. It's it's ridiculously close. Um, I'm on 23. 
23. Tom's on 22. Me and Tom can never get more than a point apart. You're starting to pull ahead of it now, Stu, and I don't like it. We need to book our ideas. Well, I don't know. I don't, it's a it's a slender, slender lead. I think like I think a lot both can change. Guys could yeah. There's a lot of races left yet. A lot can change, and I've I've had it before where I've been quite comfortably ahead of you two, sort of midway through, and then I've lost it at the death. Um, I think what, what what year was it? A couple of years ago, I lost it to Tom by like one race. Pretty much on and the last just, race, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was on the last race, yeah, which I was very magnanimous about, actually. Oh, of course, if I yeah. Recall correctly. Um, <laughs> this is normally where we do the news, but we've already done it all, so I won't. Um, cool. Which brings us on to Italy. Lines. It's just it's just nonstop with back to back races. Yeah, let's let's do some storylines going into heading into Monza. It's race after race after race, Chris. Literally. Um, so yeah, storylines. First one: Will Mercedes have the advantage? Chris has written as expected here, but I don't believe that. <laughs> on paper, I'm saying he's on paper. Do have an advantage at the moment? Um, will they have the advantage? I think it's could be another really. I think that that Honda engine. I think it's legit. The Honda engine is legit, and I also think. The way Red Bull have been recently about the Mercedes engines, I saw a, I saw a thing, I think I mentioned it last week, about them um, getting clarification from the FIA about some sort of, in inverted commas, super cooling system yeah. they have in place to cool the air on the way through the plenum into the engine. Um, so obviously, they've, they think that Mercedes is up to something to make their engine more powerful. They're either trying to extend their advantage or to, or they've seen something that Mercedes are doing that they think is really cool and they want to implement themselves mm-hmm. or they want to get it outlawed. So they've definitely seen something that is giving Mercedes an advantage, but it's whether or not that advantage is enough to make them faster than the Red Bull. And it, I think that this that that protest is well not protest but that clarification is much more about trying to maintain the Red Bull advantage than it is trying to slow yeah than than it is trying to reduce Mercedes advantage if you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. rather than it's a preemptive attack on, <laughs> yeah. on them almost so I I still think the Honda is ever so slightly quicker than the Red Bull. I f- So Silverstone we expected to be really tight between the two. Um I mean Hamilton was fastest in qualifying, Max beat him in sprint qualifying and we know what happened in the race. Um mm-hmm. Belgium we expect to be very close and Verstappen in qualifying got pole but it was in wet conditions so that's a real hard read this one on paper mercedes should be a bit quicker i i think i'm still expecting mercedes to have the edge here not by much Mm. but i think they're gonna have the edge yeah you know i think what do you think don't say it no don't say it he knows he knows what's coming if red bull beat mercedes in monza (laughs) They will win the championship every week. <laughs> every week, I actually do. To be fair, I really, really, I've been saying it in like half jest, but I think this week 
if they do beat them here, I, I really do think they will win, win the championship. <laughs> if Red Bull beat Mercedes at all of the remaining races, they will win the championship. If Red Bull beat Mercedes at more races than Mercedes beat Red Bull, they will win the world championship. <laughs> Um, what, what? So, what you think? So you think the conclusions for this storyline? I guess then you think they're gonna. You think they're gonna be cool. Mercedes are gonna be quicker. Not by much, but yes. You you think they've got the edge? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think if I'm being deadly, deadly, deadly serious, I on I think they're actually even Stevens. It's gonna be very. I really close. do think. I think it's gonna be. I don't think there's in, there's a margin between them. I think it's gonna be that close for the rest of the season as well. Probably. Um, next storyline: How will sprint qualifying change things? That's an interesting one. Friday will be the qualifying day this week, which means we have to close predictions early. So make sure you get your predictions in sooner, which we will be making those in a moment. Um, yeah. So. One thing sprint qualifying could do is make less make qualify make actual qualifying less of a fast than it has been at Monza in the last few few years. It's oh, a good point. The hope so. things because yeah, it, like the last few years, it's just been well. Yeah, fast is the word for it. Just like everyone's got da- over it's just each got other. Daft. Yeah. yeah, it's gotten daft. Um, I'm you know I, I'm all I'm all for sort of slipstreaming and stuff. I think part of my issue with the daftness over the last few seasons has been they've not really bothered doing anything about it. No. Like they just keep they making know. all the same mistakes. Yeah, so we we now sitting here know that there's going to be a queue into the final lap of qualifying in in Q3 mm-hmm. on on uh, Friday. Friday afternoon, there's going to be a train of cars all trying to gain track position and it's just going to be daft and it's going to be people getting in each other's way and making a right mess, right, right, right mess of things. And of, there's a really, really, really obvious solution and that's just to have a special Monza qualifying session where you send everyone out to do what, like a single lap qualifying mm-hmm. and have that as your have that as your format for that thing. You just, it's kind of like knocking heads together kind of thing almost. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's almost like saying, if you guys are going to be daft about this the whole time and, you, and you're not going to be able to, if, if you're not going to allow us to run this format sensibly on a race weekend, then we're simply going to have to do something different. So we had a, we had a question in the inbox from Ollie Matheson, um, Oh, sorry, Ollie Masterson asking exactly this. Actually, said we all the nonsense in Q on again. Um, Wants to know our thoughts on one shot qualifying. Um, I think it's a good idea because we used to have it, didn't we? In like the it was like the early two thousands, I think we had one shot qualifying. Um, it's a long time since we had it, but we did used to have one shot qualifying. Yeah, and it's it it does add that added level of peril of like. Well, as the name suggests, you get one shot. There's like no room for error, and it is was you know kind of cool seeing you you literally every car you watch their entire lap kind of thing. Um, it's I, th- I feel like in this world of 
experimenting with the format a little bit that we seem to be marching into. Um, I'd like to see them give it a go at some point and see how it pans out. Yeah. I think it would be... I think I can't really think of a better time to do it than this race because... No. It, not, not Monaco maybe as well. Maybe Monaco, but Monaco never really gets that bad with Monaco though. Like Monaco, not yeah, in the last you know, few years. It used to. Yeah. It gets tight and it's difficult, but you don't get people... The reason they all back each other up is because everyone's trying to get a slipstream from someone. Yeah. That's, that's the problem at Monza. So if they just take that out of the equation completely, or maybe hmm. you only have, you know, maybe it's team qualifying. Maybe you send both cars out together every time and you allow them to, then you get the slipstream effect. And if the, you know, it keeps that kind of challenge there for the teams, but they, everyone gets an equal opportunity to do that rather than getting backed up by some other team and people getting under each other's feet. So I don't know, like, I, yeah, you, you talk about as marching into an era where they where they're willing to make changes and, and sort of mess with the format a bit. And yeah, I agree. Like what what better way of doing it than by solving problems? It seems like a yeah. really obvious obviously there's gonna be things that I'm not thinking of. And please if you're listening either live or if you're listening um listening at your leisure, then you know, send us a comment, tell us what you think about this idea. Cause I I, I think it would solve a lot of problems. I'd love to hear what all you guys think of it. Um next uh, storyline Chris you ready for the next one you got anything more go to add to it. that or no no go um, ahead. will Red Bull use the opportunity to take engine penalties that's an interesting one um, wh- what do you think Chris I mean that's so that they're gonna have to at some point the, the engine situation yeah. they're in they, they have to at some point in the past, we've seen Monza be a circuit team. Like Monza and Spa were always the circuits that teams tended to take the engine penalties because they're places you can overtake. Like, do you remember a few years ago before they closed the loophole? Um, you could like basically just take like as many engine parts as you wanted, and you all the penalties were applied to that single grid. So there was a, f- yeah. it was a few years ago now, and Hamilton literally <laughs> had a whole new power unit in every session leading up to qualifying. So he ended up with like a 60-place grid penalty or something ridic- ridiculous like that. But he had yeah. three whole new engines in the pool. Um, Just ridiculous. <laughs> Just I think if absolutely they, ridiculous. I think if they're going to do it, which we think they do, this is probably the best place to. Um Especially if, if Red Bull think Mercedes are going to be faster than them at this circuit, then might as well take them now. Whereas if they think they've got a shot at beating them, maybe save it for a, a later race. In this. But then again, where yeah. else are you going to take it? Well, I mean, that there does come up. They could Boris it and just wait until there comes a point where you have to make a decision rather than actually like taking it. Yeah, I guess I, so. But. To me, like given they're in quite a strong position at the moment, and they kind of—I think you need to kind of keep this edge that they've got going over Mercedes. I think that's what's done them so well in the early races of the season is—is is that having that psychological edge and getting keep Mercedes on the, the pressure. back foot, and you got to keep that pressure on for as long as you possibly can, and then. If you do find yourself in a position where you do have to take engine penalties, which is very likely for um, for Red Bull at the moment, 
you might find yourself in a situation where you get an engine failure and you have to take it anyway, or you might find yourself in a situation where a driver makes a hash of something and they get a big penalty and have to do it. So then you do it then. I think it's just, it's really a case of waiting for the opportune moment rather than putting your eggs in a basket and saying, yeah. I don't think we'll be that quick at this circuit. Therefore, I don't, I, I, why leave that to chance? Like give your drivers an opportunity to do the best they can and wait until something out of your control happens. Then you have to take a penalty. Yeah. Because I guess right the danger now is, is the logical step. The danger is you wait too long and it blows during a race and not during a practice session. Is it is, yeah. But that you're also, like, there. they know all the everything they need to know about their engines. You know, they know all the stresses that are on every little bit of those engines for the most part. So mm-hmm. the they're going to be using their weakest... Well, the engine that's most likely to go, they know which one that is, and they'll be using that probably in every practice session. Yeah, every Friday. Absolutely eking out like the good the good engines for just using them in quality and races. Kind of. Yeah, totally. So, I don't think it's completely out of their control. I think at the moment it's a case of managing that pool as best you can, and. I do really think it's just a case to see what happens with it for them. I, there's not really much else they can do because they're in a championship fight. And yeah. they're also, you know, another thing to factor in is like Mercedes are not, they might not have full, like flawless reliability all season. They're going to be pushing, pushing, pushing. Those engines are theirs. They're going to be turned up a lot more often than they have been in the mm. past. I so, mean, the pace this last race was way higher than yeah. I think they expected it to be. So, yeah. So, all this talk of sort of Red Bull, and there's, there's, there has been a lot of it in in the sh- in all the shows. There's been a lot of talk of oh Red Bull this Red Bull that engine engine, and actually like no one's really paying attention to how hard Mercedes are having to push and having to really really go for it much 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 more than they ever ever had to in this um, in this engine era. So yeah, I, I can see Mercedes having having an having engine issues as well and taking penalties. You've just reminded me of something else I meant to bring up for WTF. Um, Hit me. It was during practice two, I think. They put up a graphic on the screen, which Mm. was something like... It was called something like remaining power unit elements. And it had like dots didn't it next to each component but it, well it had, yeah it had like the list of like you know engine turbo mguh etc and then underneath each one there were like a number of green bars and then at the end there was a number that matched the number of bars but then one of them had a red bar which was labeled as penalties but hamilton had it was showing hamilton's and hamilton hasn't taken any penalties it, nothing about this graphic made any sense it's in, in a world where we have a lot of weird graphics on screen during F1 sessions, this might be the worst one I've ever seen. <laughs> it was, I saw like a Reddit thread of people trying to decode it. And I think the conclusion yeah. was it's simultaneously badly designed and also just wrong. I think the information on it was also just wrong as well. Like, Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it, it is. It's just like, <sighs> you'd think these things would go through a few more checks before they're put on TV screens in front of millions of people. But 
Yeah. But there we go. I, yeah, yeah. This wasn't. Well. To be fair, this wasn't an AWS one though. On this occasion, we can't blame AWS for it. Yeah, that, I think. I, you know what? I see it a lot. I see a lot of people like hating on AWS, but actually, a lot of the time, like they're just they're not even people. Like naturally, just go to the AWS angle of it's a bad graphic. It must be an AWS one. But yeah. actually, like ninety percent of them. They're just bad graphics. <laughs> I did not, like, nothing anything to do with AWS. <laughs> I did see over the weekend um the um the the striking distance ease of overtake graphics were at their worst this weekend. And I did see online someone had gone back over previous races and looked at them. And I think they said in the last twelve they could find that graphic was correct once. You know <laughs> what I... never ceases to amaze me? <laughs> What's that? The 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 lengths Formula <laughs> One fans will go to to show people that things are wrong. It's like I had it's another funny discussion cause... with someone about uh, you know I'm not hating on Formula One fans. I'm a Formula One fan myself. I'm not hating on Formula One fans, but there's there's definitely like a subset of F1 fans who literally go out of their way to to really like drive a point and show something's really really wrong. Whereas, it's, like, your garden, your garden variety F1 fan is just going to be like, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> and that'd yeah. be that. Because I've, I've often, like, wondered, like, oh, I wonder how often these AWS graphics turn out to be right. But I've also never considered for a second actually going to find out. But there's always someone that will go and do it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, that's one of the reasons why I love it. And I, the, yeah. one of the reasons I love doing this is because when, when we're wrong, we get called out for it. And it's <laughs> always entertaining when we do. Um. Final storyline then on that note. Um, can McLaren bounce back from a lacklustre weekend at Zandvoort? Um, hope so. They've got a Mercedes engine in the back of it, so they ought to be able to. It's going to help, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think the McLaren will go well at Monza. I think it will. It I won't think, be last year. I think the sprint race format is going to suit them really well. Um, yeah. If, you know, even so if Sainz, quali- Sainz was fighting for a win last year in McLaren, wasn't he? Yeah, so, like even if qualifying doesn't necessarily to go, go to plan. Although this actually might be one of the races where we see Norris right up at the sharp end in qualifying. I think so, yeah. It's the sort of track where Norris can really sort of put his best foot forward, I think. Yeah. His, his, what, what, to me, the things that, the sort of tracks where he's the best are the ones where you have to be really, really brave. And Monza's such a high-speed circuit. There are so many places. Like the, the two... Um, oh, goodness, I've forgotten the name of the two corners. What are they called? The two... Uh, not as, Before Ascari. The two right-handers, the Lesmos? Yeah, Lesmos, the two Lesmos. Um, you have to be really, 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 really brave through them. They are yeah. so fast. They're commitment corners. And, yeah, big-time commitment. And... Lando Norris is a big-time commitment driver, so mm-hmm. I think he's going to do really, really well at, at Monza this weekend. So with all that in mind, let's make some predictions. Some predictions. Um, um, has Tom sent his predictions? I don't have yet? Tom's to hand right now. If he sends them during recording, I will. I'll let you know. For the moment, we don't have them. Okay. So I'm going to make you go first. Fastest in Q3. It's a dead heat right now between Hamilton and Verstappen. We saw that can't last that. weekend. Like, there's literally eight, eight tenths. We can't have that. It won't do as a prediction. I, I know. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. 
I'm trying to like determine what my heart is saying and what my head is saying. My heart is saying Hamilton. It's just is my head saying Hamilton as well. And I think they were so close. Yeah, I'm going to say Hamilton. I think Hamilton might just edge him. I agree with you. And I also I think, think also that the way this championship is swinging at the moment, like it's just there's a hair between them. So it could it's a lottery. It could go either way. I I also think Hamilton's going to win it. You think Hamilton's going to win it? Um You can overtake it, Monza. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Hamilton. It's, it's a lot for you. I'm going to go Hamilton. <laughs> um, which means it's your turn first for first DNF. First DNF. So where are the big sort of difficult points? It's the Ascari chicane is where people struggle. You need to be in not a very good car. It's going to be... Who's on a bad run? Raikkonen, I, I think. Raikkonen's going to take his eyes off the ball now. He's um... If he's there, of course. Oh, he's not going to be there. It's two-week quarantine. No. Um, we, well, yeah. But then we don't yeah. know what, what even gonna, is going to be the situation. It could okay, also be Eilat, so... Yeah. Okay. Now, say this. No, if you say... Scratch that. If you say Kimi and it, he's not there, whoever his replacement is will count, and the same goes for anyone at home playing along. Uh, first DNF. Oh, it's a hard one. Latifi. <laughs> if in doubt, Latifi. Uh, <laughs> I think... I think Sonoda. I can see him chucking it off at one of the Lesmos early doors or something like that. That's a really good shout, actually. But the way you were talking, I thought you were leading yourself to the same conclusion I came to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, is it my turn? It's my turn. Number yeah, of number of finishes. Finishers. Um, do we know how many it was last year? Nope. Let's Terrible. have a look. See. Let's have a little look. See, shall we? Sixteen last year. Only sixteen. Bit of a weird race last year, though, wasn't it? That's yeah. It was a bit weird, wasn't it? Is that? Sort of closed pit lane and stuff. Hamilton ended up at the back of the grid. Had to fight his way back to seventh. I think it's going to be a bit more. We tend to have quite high numbers, aren't we, this year? Or higher than sixteen. I'm going to go eighteen this time. I'm going to go for magic seventeen. It's old it's faithful. Rarely let me down this season. Um, and then finally, our random driver, who this week is Nicholas Latifi. It's going to have to be. 20th, isn't it? Why not? Hedge my I'm not gonna hedge my bets. I'm gonna go. Oh right, yeah, you've gone. Yeah, yeah. Where my mouth is, so. Let's see. I've got 18 finishers. I guess logically that puts him 16th. Yeah, 16th. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um Would you like to explain yeah. your logic, Chris, or is that just <laughs> Well, I've said 18 finishers and there's two hasses behind him. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Essentially. Assuming they both finish. Uh, that is what we think. But as always, you can get involved by going to backthegrid.com uh, where you can 
sign up for free if you haven't already. There's a prize every week. And as this week has proven, it's very possible to get a prize. So um, you have until the beginning of Q3, which as Stu mentioned, sorry, the beginning of Q1, which as Stu mentioned is Mm -hmm. on Friday this week, not Saturday. So make sure you get your predictions in in time. Um, Yeah. And that leads us into to finish up. Uh, Keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Fourteen of us this week showing everyone else that there is hope. You can win a prize by entering the predictions league on back of the day. <laughs> um, Dan Instone says, with George Russell to Mercedes being this season's worst kept secret, what are your favourite worst kept secrets in inverted commas from F1 in the past? The the first one that sprang to mind when I saw this, and it's it's not a drive one, which is probably what he meant by this, but however many years ago it was now when McLaren first changed to an orange livery. Um and there were rumors for ages they were gonna do it, and everyone expected it. But then when they had the car on the way to wherever they were doing the launch, as they were getting it off the truck, there was a massive gust of wind and the sheep blew up and someone got a photo <laughs> of the orange car. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it was the funniest thing. That's good. All like of that, that build-up and then just a gust of wind ruined their best laid plans. The weird thing about that is, I can't imagine. I know McLaren used to be like used to do the sil. They had the silver Vodafone livery with the silver and red. I can't imagine McLaren not orange now. Yeah. It's, it's so, it just feels so right for that team, that colour. Yeah, and having that colour there feels like such an integral part of like the look of the grid now as well. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that. Um, worst kept secret in Formula 1, goodness. You know, I've probably talked about worst kept secrets in Formula 1 on this podcast so many times You probably before. have, yeah. But right now, given that I've come straight into this podcast, literally from getting out of the car, walking through the door <laughs> from work and sitting at my desk and recording a podcast, I actually cannot think of a worst kept secret at the moment. I'm really sorry, everyone. I think, um, I guess Vettel last year was for a while. Like Vettel going to Aston Yeah, Vettel, Vettel kind of being like, yeah, being a bit sort of going to Aston Martin. Actually, oh Lance no, Stroll, Lance Stroll going to Aston Martin. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could totally go for that. Yeah, Lance Stroll going, going to Aston Martin. That's my yeah. Most when, recent, whether it's my favorite or not, I don't know, but it's it's definitely like a more a recent one that I can remember. <laughs> How didn't think of that? It's like, oh, his dad's bought the team. I wonder who's going to yeah. drive for him. Uh, next, Charlotte Taylor says, are Mercedes starting to buckle under the pressure like Ferrari in 17 and 18? They've had a few bad strategic decisions this season. And nice Haas say, yeah. while Mercedes don't necessarily make any obvious strategy mistakes this weekend, they certainly seemed a bit flustered, uh, which got me thinking they've maybe made some questionable strategy calls in years gone past, but we just haven't noticed because of how far in front they are. Do you think it could ultimately cost them the championship now they have such a close rival through the um, whole season? Could we see some bigger errors before the year is out? Hmm. I think when the pressure's on, there's definitely potential to make really, really big mistakes. But And I think there is think... something to what Nice Haas says there where they had the luxury for a number of years of being so far ahead. Little mistakes kind of flew under the radar, whereas now they're yeah. like front and centre. Yeah, definitely like... They would have. They've absolutely in the past made 
strategic errors that we haven't there's definitely stuff happened on track during races when i've thought to myself why are they doing it why are they pitting now well why are they doing this why are they doing that and then just gone on to win the race anyway because yeah, but it doesn't so matter because they've got a dominant. 40 second lead <laughs> yeah but i guess that's what developing first of all that's what developing the best car gets you it gets you that luxury of being able to make those mistakes and learn from them mm-hmm. outside of the heat of battle i would say that all of that puts them in a position where they're less likely to make strategic errors than a team like Red Bull, who have been a bit less dominant in the in recent years and probably had to be a little bit more switched on strategically. It's interesting because um, I probably remember... haven't had those mistakes to learn from. Because mm. so. I remember right at the start of this season us saying... Red Bull were quickly finding out that you don't beat Mercedes just by having the fastest car. You have to outthink them. And actually, as the season's gone on, they have started doing they've that. And they've outmaneuvered Mercedes on a number of occasions this year. Yeah. She's kind of an interesting subplot, isn't it? This race just just gone in Zanvo. There, there were there are times where you know, Mercedes tried the undercut. There's no doubt about it. Mercedes oh, yeah. tried the undercut this weekend. And I can definitely think of races like Hungary a year or two ago where that would have caught Red Bull out and they didn't they wouldn't have reacted quick enough and they would have lost the race as a result. And that could have easily happened this mm-hmm. weekend. They could have left Verstappen out and lost that race. If they leave Verstappen out for one more lap, yeah, they lose take. the race. So they won make no mistake, Red Bull won that race just as much on track as they did off track this weekend. Mm-hmm. They run it. They won it strategically, and they won it by having the quickest driver, the quickest car. And they were um, very. But they needed. They needed both together to work. You know. Yeah. It, the same applies to Mercedes. You can't just bring the. The, the, the same applies to both teams now. I mm-hmm. think. Like at the start of the season, we said the the phrase you just said a minute ago with the. Um, you can't just bring the quickest car. You've got to bring the best strategy. And Mercedes are now learning that as well against Red Bull. You can't yeah. just beat Red Bull by bringing the quickest car. You've got to bring the best strategy as well. And yeah, you need the total package if you're going to win the championship this season. Absolutely 100%. Both go hand in hand and neither side is going to win it without absolutely being 100% switched on for the rest of the season. I think we can safely say whoever does end up winning it will definitely deserve it. And that will oh, go big for time. both big teams. Time. And it's so good to watch as well. It's, it's so, so good. good seeing both teams just being absolutely 100% top of their game, trying everything, you know, getting the job done. And it's proper just gloves off, punch for punch. They've got each other, aren't they? And it's absolutely fascinating to see and it's, it unfold. It's so much more fun when it's like, a battle between two teams as well because they're constantly pushing each other to improve. Like when you've got a driver's championship battle between teammates, like yes, it's still exciting, but there's not that kind of, it's a different level of intensity of competition. There's not that dynamic push on the whole team to improve kind of thing. Uh, Next one then, Michelle says, uh, which does Red Bull want more? Max to win the championship or for them to win the constructors? I think they want to, they want Max to win. Yeah, but I don't think, I think they're a lot more worried about the drivers' championship than they are the constructors. Yeah, if they um, if they cared about the constructors, they wouldn't uh, be doing things like 
pitting Perez, dropping him out of the points to steal a fastest lap point away from Hamilton. Yeah, what was that about? That was that, so weird. That was just spiteful. That for me. that was all the evidence you need that they only care about the drivers' championship. Yeah, there you go. Speaking uh, of one. Perez. Uh, Thomas Austin Morgan says Perez is clearly a talented driver with excellent racecraft. What do you think is going on with his qualifying? I get the feeling he could be on the podium most races, if not for his poor quality performances. Um, I think he's in a car that isn't suited to him. He's in a car that's suited to Max Verstappen, and that's why he probably can't get the yeah, fastest lap out of it every race. It kind of feels like the same old, same old, doesn't it? It's the same thing that we said about Gasly, the same thing we said about... Um, Albon, same thing we said mm-hmm. about Kvyat. It's just, it's it's a fast car, but it's not an easy one to drive. But yeah, it, it works for Max. Um, and exactly. it's right. Like I think and he should working, be on the podium. Like to be fair, it's working for Red Bull as well at the moment because they've yeah. got the lead of the drivers' championship, which is what they want. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, next one then, Project mm-hmm. F one. Do you think Bottas can do a Gaslier Alpha in terms of rebirth? Um, I don't. Th- I mean, we're only halfway. Th- well, we're a bit more halfway through the season, but there's there's a lot of this season to go. So I don't know if he necessarily needs a rebirth, but I do think a fresh environment, a different kind of pressure, a bit less of the spotlight on him, is probably going to do him some good because. He gets a lot of media attention and not much of it particularly positive. Yeah, yeah, definitely sort of being able to get out of the limelight a bit is probably going to do him some good and not be just, just you know, if he can fly under the radar and get, because that's what Gasly's doing, isn't he? Mm-hmm. The, the admission here is that Gasly is flying under the radar, quietly having a really, really nice season and putting in really, really strong performances. So is is the is the question really does being in the limelight affect Bottas's performance? And you know, I can't answer that. Like I don't know. Yeah. It it, it sometimes feels like it. Hmm. But yeah, I th- I think it's going to be a good move for everyone concerned all in all. Definitely. I think, uh, like I said earlier, I think Alfa Romeo are the, are the big winners. I think the experience mm-hmm. that Bottas is going to bring to the table from, what is it, six years at Mercedes? Uh, five, I think. Five years at Mercedes. However many years, many years at Mercedes, at least half a decade of, at Mercedes. That's going to put... He's, he's going to teach that team things that they didn't know they didn't know. Mm-hmm. By coming from Mercedes, like they're going to learn stuff. They're going to learn yeah. so much from him. So they're absolutely the huge winners of this whole thing. And um, whoever ends up being the number two driver as well is probably going to, if if they can learn from, him, if they if they if they know what's good for them, they'll listen to Valtteri and and they'll, you know, they'll they'll take on board every word that he has to say and they will cling on to those words because it's, he's got some of the best experience in this generation of Formula One. Yeah. It's similar to Aston Martin wanting Bell, isn't it? Like Yeah. You you get in a guy who's been in these positions that you just have never been in as a team and you're always going to learn from that. Um Wesley just added a follow up question. Uh, he said Will Bottas kind of come alive for the rest of the season now the announcement's been made and he knows what next year holds. 
Um, I don't know. I think he knew what next year holds going into this race, so I don't. Yeah, think... I think he did, and possibly even the race before that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, guess just knowing I, he's I out Boston's there giving... will maybe yeah, take he's... a bit of weight off his shoulders. He the pressure is off, but uh, he's he's still he's a race driver. He's still giving everything he's got to give. I really want to see him win another race before the end of the season. I don't mm. think, given how close the championship is, he's going to be given the opportunity to. But I'd really like to see him win one. I also think, like, to Bottas's credit, I think he's driving a car that is very much designed around a multiple world champion and not himself. Yeah, I think so. Definitely, this year's car especially. Yeah, Hamilton would have had a lot more a lot, lot more input listened to into that car because they've got a proven world championship winner in Hamilton. Yeah. Whereas with Bottas, he's kind of he's always. He's ended up siloed into a number two position in all but name at Mercedes as mm-hmm. Bottas. And I think to go into a leadership role in Alfa Romeo is going to do him a lot of good. And you never know, Alfa Romeo might just find something in the regulations that put them in a really good position next year and he could be fighting for podiums and even wins still. You just don't know. We it's don't what know all those teams are hoping through. for, isn't it? Yeah, everyone in a big regulation change like this is looking for that silver bullet and you just don't know who's going to find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Final question Uh, this week from Ali Walker. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts on Christian Horner's comments about Mercedes potentially blocking Albon going to Williams? Red Bull are already in a privileged position to have four seats on the grid if they really wanted to have on the grid. Why not free up one of those spaces rather than rely on a Williams slash Mercedes space? Uh, If if I was Toto, I wouldn't want a Red Bull driver using a Mercedes-powered car or taking up essential space for a young Mercedes driver. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, agree with all of that. Um, it does sort of feel a bit like this is a story that Christian Horn has just invented in an interview. Like I don't, I don't yeah. really see, I don't really the see contempt. Toto. Like the thing is, it that story is based on. Toto Wolf having the power to tell Williams, no, you can't sign that driver. And I just don't believe for a second that's true. Well, I don't I don't see where Albon fits into any of the equation, to be honest. Like I if Albon was let me just said it in the question, Albon would be driving a Alpha Tower yeah, if he was exactly. worth driving an Alpha Tower. So why is he suddenly? I mean, why is he even available? Is 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 Christian Horner trying to get him into a Mercedes-powered car so he can find out about Mercedes engines? <laughs> they seem they seem really keen on getting him back on the grid. And I think you know, I think most people think fair that enough. Like, the guy deserves a spot on the grid, and I think I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, but yeah, you've this got, whole you've... story kind of does seem to have appeared out of like nothing. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I I struggle to. Myself, I don't see a space for Albon on the grid currently, as it as as just from what's available seat wise. Like I can't see how he fits into any of the equations. But if, I'm not a driver manager, so no, I, I wouldn't. But if if um, I were Christian Horner, in the privileged position of having four seats on the grid, having kicked Albon out last year, I wouldn't be kicking up a stink about people blocking Albon from having a seat in Formula One. And yeah. and of course, Toto's going to try and get his driver in that seat because that's his job. Yeah, like, I don't. It's, 
just put, such a weird drivers, thing to be moaning about. Yeah, the, the the whole like answer to this question is put your drivers, put your own drivers in your own seats. Yeah, and, that's it's as simple as that. And going back to like what we were saying before about the alpha seat and tailpipe chair, like I can see why the Williams seat is a more potentially a more stable prospect. You're not just going to get booted out for the the new guy from F2 in a couple of years' time. So I can see why they're both pushing for that seat. Um, yeah, I feel like these two remaining seats have still got some like some twists in this tail before we know for sure who it's going to be. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. I mean, if I were if I were Williams, Hulkenberg. I think <laughs> his name still keeps appearing. Um, I mean, Guanyu Zhou is still a name that's knocking around in need of a seat as well, and Alpine have nowhere to put him um yeah but alpine alpine have put themselves in a in the crappy position of being the only car with a renault engine in it yeah on the f1 they, grid so they need to find themselves a customer team yeah they're, they're not going to have any space for any of their young drivers other than the number two seat next to alonso unless they find themselves a second team to but they've just re-signed ocon so yeah so so forget yeah. that <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't know. I've, I, my gut says that De Vries is probably if it's between those two for the Williams seat. My gut says De Vries is probably more likely to get it. Um, if we think the Alpha seat is up for grabs as well, it just feels really weird to be in a situation where a Mercedes-affiliated driver gets sent to a team with Ferrari engines, and a Red Bull-affiliated driver gets sent to a team with Mercedes engines. Like, yeah, it's just, just not going to happen. It's just, just seems, yeah. Do, are we, do, everything's going to fall into place. De Vries, maybe. But De Vries will end up at Williams. There's well, no doubt of, about that for me. This, of course, assumes that Latifi is staying as well. I mean, it's possible that they could both get Williams seats and Latifi loses his spot. But that. The the general thinking from what I've read seems to be Latifi's going to stay put now. Yeah, well, I think when when the car's got Lavazza written down the side of it, and your dad owns need, Lavazza. But do they need the money now? Now they've got well, uh, new investment. The, do they still need I, the money? Doesn't hurt. It doesn't. Hurt. I, I, it doesn't I, I, hurt. But at the same time, the whole the Achilles heel of Williams over the last however many years it's been now since the Maldonado days has been pay drivers. Mm-hmm. So many pay drivers and they've just tumbled and tumbled and tumbled down the order. The best season they had was when they had um, uh, Massa and Stroll. And yeah. even then Stroll or Massa and Bottas like, the years before that. Yeah, Massa, Massa and Bottas. But even like, in, you know, they had some good results with when they had Massa and Stroll as well. And even then, like Stroll was pay driver in those days. So, well, I mean, it still kind of is, but what Williams really need is, and I've said this before on here, is they need two really, really bloody good drivers. Yeah. And Latifi's a good driver, but he's not a bloody good driver. I, I mean, like when Latifi came into F1, like he'd had some success in F2. So like he was a bit of a, a bit of an unknown quantity, but like the degree to which Russell has blown him away has just like yeah. kind of ruined Latifi's stock, hasn't it? It's just the difference between a good driver and a great driver, though, for me. Mm. It'll be exactly, what's yeah. going to be really interesting next year. And this 
I don't know this. I don't know if this is going to be announced tomorrow or not. But what's <laughs> going to be really interesting is when Russell gets to Mercedes and let's see how he stacks up against Hamilton because that's what everyone wants to see, isn't it? We've like we've not really talked about it because it's a time recording. It's not official, even though we know it's going to happen. But like the prospect of that next year is so exciting. Yeah. So, so let's exciting. finish on this. Let's finish. Let's finish on on what we think to to this deal. If it does, it's not. It might not be announced. <laughs> so many. We do, I don't know. I don't know if it's been announced or not. But if it is announced, what do you reckon? What 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 are you most excited for next season? If it is announced, do you see it being a a, a really bitter rivalry? Will they be? Will they be friends? Will they like each other? Will Russell be able to take the fight to Hamilton next season? Russell definitely doesn't strike me as someone who's just going to sit back and be happy being a second driver. I don't think that's the way he's built. And, you know, as with all good racing drivers, that's not the way he's built. Um, It's definitely going to take him a little while to get fully on Hamilton's level, but I think he's going to be, like, pretty close pretty soon. I think I think he'll win a race like within I don't know within the first five maybe I think he'll get his first win. I'm so excited! It's going to be so good. Yeah, Silverstone next I, year is going to be insane. We have to go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, oh, we'll be there. We'll absolutely be there. I um. Uh, how is it going to be? How is it going to? How are they? How is it going to unfold next season? I think. Uh, I think it's going to be tense. I actually think it could even be. We could be in a situation where Verstappen next season wins the championship because Hamilton and Russell are taking chunks out of each other for the whole Ta- season, taking too many points off each other. That's the worry, yeah. isn't it? But also, it's a whole new formula next season. We don't know how what the cars are going to be like. Like it, Russell could be really unlucky and end up in a situation where he's in a dog of a Mercedes. but And Bottas wins the championship in an Alfa Romeo. In an Alfa Romeo. Imagine that. <laughs> and that, Imagine. to me, see, that seems like a good point to end. The, <laughs> on that wild on. speculation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, thank you everyone for joining us again this week. Um, special thanks, of course, to all of our patrons as well um, for having a nice chat during the race. You could tell it was a, not the most exciting of races because we were talking about some weird stuff during the race this week, but... Uh, but there we go. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Just look at Back the Grid and you will find us. You can also go to backthegrid.com and fill in a contact us form. And that's also where you can enter your predictions. Once again, remember you got to enter your predictions before Friday evening, not Saturday as usual. And I think that um, is everything so thank you once again for joining us and we'll speak to you in a week's time to review the italian grand prix goodbye bye everyone